Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Back when I was doing my undergrad at Ferris, I remember a teacher saying, um, she said, nothing humbled me more than when I became a parent. Because once upon a time at parent-teacher conferences, I used to say kind of the most audacious things. And now that I'm a parent, I can understand what words were coming out of my mouth and how that might have landed with the recipients. And so I want to preface this episode by saying I'm not a parent. I am someone who's walked with kids for a very long time. I am one who has done a lot of study and research on best practices. But I'm also one that gets to listen to narrative after narrative where kids are experiencing wounding. And I want to share some of the insights from just copious amounts of hours spent with both kids and parents. And I want to use an extended analogy to help illustrate that every child we have is an individual and we are sorely missing the mark if we treat them as a collective. And maybe maybe that's harsh criticism. Maybe sorely missing the mark is a little judgmental. That's not my intent. But every child with whom we intersect is their own autonomous, unique individual. And so a couple weeks ago, and this is, this is a comment I actually get on repeat, where a parent will come in and a kid's going through a time of struggle, and they'll say, I don't get it. We've done the same with this child as we've done with all of our other kids. I don't get what we're doing wrong here. And then I kind of gently wheel them back to say, maybe the fact that you're doing all of the same things with your kids is part of the issue. And I get that that can come from what might feel like a very judgmental posture, but it's really not. I want to use the analogy of flowers, and I want to run this analogy out through the episode today to indicate that kids are their own beautiful autonomous selves, and when we ask them to be anything other than what they are, we might unintentionally engage in some wounding in their upbringing. So let's say you have four kids, and one of your children is a sunflower, and let's say this is your oldest kid. This sunflower demands six to eight hours of sunlight. It needs a lot of space to grow. It, it literally needs like more space than almost any other flower. It needs a lot of loose dirt piled on top of its roots. It also needs a pretty deep hole. And those are pretty custom built for sunflowers. Those are pretty specific directions for what a sunflower would need. Now a sunflower is going to bloom in its own season. We don't get to control when it actually blooms. We only get to set the right amount of inputs for it that are most healthy for the sunflower. Then let's say child number two comes along and child number two is an orchid. And an orchid blooms best between lots of humidity, some direct sunlight, not in the afternoons though. And there's also going to be alternated periods of heavy watering and then abstaining from watering. And we're going to talk through about a 35 degree variance. So between about 50 and 85 degrees, an orchid really, really blossoms. Oh, that's a good pun there. Third kid comes along and the third child's a rose. So a rose needs about six hours of sunlight, but if it gets too much more than that, it can actually make it susceptible to different types of diseases and pests. So it's a sensitive flower, especially if the environment's wrong. Now, roses have a lot of variances. So even if you're you're raising your child as one type of rose and it turns out to be another type of rose, there's probably some different inputs that would have to be considered. Not because the rose is bad, not because the rose is doing it wrong, but because a special hand is needed for whatever type of rose it is. And then child four comes along and child four is a daffodil. 
Now, the daffodil is not going to bloom in primarily shaded areas. It will still grow leaves, so that's good, but you're not going to get the flower if it's in the wrong type of environment. The soil needs to be moderately fertilized. Usually early spring sunlight is going to be best for it, but the early sunlight that you use for the daffodil is actually quite different from what's needed for the rose, which is different from the orchid, which is different from the sunflower. And we have to be so careful about establishing a hierarchy and saying, well, I'm a rose type of person, so I like child three best. We just get along better. Or I really love sunflowers. Look at the sunflower grow. And then we start to ask the orchid or the rose or the daffodil to be like the sunflower. Or we start to tell the sunflower, we don't like its features. We don't like how it does certain things. We want it to be different. We want it to be like a daffodil. And unfortunately, when we miss out on the fact that each one of these is its you own unique beautiful type of flower. We set the stage for these flowers turning on themselves because they're not the right type. Our kids need such intentional cultivation of their own skill sets. They need such specific inputs for their type of temperaments. They need a guiding gentle hand that says who you are, the type of flower you are is actually okay. Whether you're a sunflower, whether you're an orchid, whether you're a rose, whether you're a daffodil, you and your own uniqueness is exactly what you need to be. We need to see the organic beauty in each one of these types of flowers. And so comparing children can be one of the most damaging things we do. Because once I start saying that I like a rose better or I like a sunflower better, we're creating a hierarchy of good and bad. Kids need to be in this hierarchy of, of good and better and best practices, but they cannot be put in the, the juxtaposition of this is what a good flower looks like, but this is what a bad flower looks like. They can't change their natural skills and abilities. Who they are is who they are, and it's up to us to cultivate them to become the rose or to become the daffodil or to become the sunflower or to become the orchid. We shouldn't take an orchid and say, I need you to be like your brother, the sunflower, or I need you to be like your sister, the rose. It's an unfair ask and it's sending the message that who they are is not good enough. We need to be cultivating their unique Hard work is necessary regardless of the type of flower, but they can only grow into their particular unique selves, and we should want that for them. And one of the things I run into often where parents say, well, we're spending more time on this kid now because they're demanding more attention. That's not fair to the other kids. Okay, that's true in the sense of fair means equal distribution among others, but since when is parenting fair? When the newborn comes into the house, do you say to the newborn, I'm sorry, I need to go spend equal time with my two-year-old or equal time with my five-year-old, so you're going to have to stay here and not have as many needs? Absolutely not. Different stages, different ages, different contexts demand different inputs. Fairness is not a thing in parenting. There are children's needs, and then you have to customize your style of parenting to what those needs are, and so unfortunately, if you operate from a lens of fairness, there's going to be residual effect. There's going to be consequence to those who actually need a bit more tending to, a bit more cultivating, a bit more intentionality. When kids feel overlooked, there's really only several courses of action they take. Well, they can change to fit the mold expected. They can disengage or shut down. And, and this is kind of just a, a survival strategy, or they can reject the expectations and run in the opposite direction. And unfortunately, we see that quite often too. One of the reasons we have to diversify parenting is because kids actually don't compete with one another. They actually strive to be unlike their siblings. So if you have an oldest and your oldest performs really well academically, second kid comes along, if kid one has already kind of cornered the market, 
market on parental praise as it relates to academics, kid number two is probably going to find a different skill set, a different way to channel their particular abilities, a different niche area, because they're not going to organically compete with child one. So they might become a really good athlete, or they might become a really hard worker, or they might become someone who's musically creative. They're probably not going to make a play for the role that's already been taken by child one. And if they do make a play for it, child one probably diversifies in a different way as well. Kids don't compete. And so when parents come in and they make competition out of what's going on, so why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you, a rose, be more like a daffodil? You're creating some sort of hierarchy of value within the home, and you're asking kids to be other than what they are, which is a really, really damaging thing because the message comes through that who you are isn't good enough. You should be more like this other flower. You should be more like your sibling. Kids cannot think abstractly through parent rejection or correction or criticism without assuming that they are doing something wrong. And this is especially true under our teen years. So if we're only, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and parents are leading with criticism or trying to force outcomes that are inappropriate for a child's particular skill set, you are asking for your child to rebel. You are asking them to turn on themselves, to turn on you if you disallow them from being who they are. One of my favorite adages is rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Once we engage things as a power struggle, once we try to coerce outcomes, once we try to make a child be who they're not, we've lost. And sadly, they lose in the process of that as well because they've internalized the message that they're not good enough. Kids are not one size fits all, and there's several things we can do to help meet them in their space. Number one, and I've mentioned this in the past, learn what their love language is. If one of your kids is particularly sensitive about gift giving, make their birthday a really big deal even though the other kids didn't get the same treatment. So still do well for the other kids, but take special note of how to make it a little bit more extra for the kid who's sensitive to receiving gifts. For the one who is more in tune with time spent, make sure they're the ones who you invite out for coffee on Saturday morning first and foremost. And when the other kids say, that's not fair, guess what? That's their language and I'm going to meet you in your language too. And parenting isn't about fairness. It's about giving you what you most need. Number two, meet them in their needs. It's only for a season. And so one of the things that I often hear is, well, I don't understand. I invite little Johnny out to the garage to change the oil with me. Okay, little Johnny's eight. Does he want to change the oil? Does he lead in that expectation or in that adventure? Or is that you kind of tapping out of meeting your kid in their need and you're saying, well, I do spend time with them, but they they just get to come outside and change the oil with me. Okay, they like cars. Awesome. After you change the oil, come in and play matchbox cars with them. Now you're meeting them in their need or come put together a Lego set with them. Now you're meeting them in their need. It's only for a season. You only have them for a small amount of time before they go out into this world and become their own individual adult. And for a while, their things have to matter because if they don't learn in their childhood that who they are matters, they're going to take that same message into adulthood and they're going to undervalue themselves in really, really difficult ways. Our goal is to help a sunflower become the best sunflower it can be. Help an orchid become the best version of itself that it can. Help a rose become a beautiful rose, unique and okay for being a rose. The daffodil needs to be allowed to be the daffodil. That's what we have to help create. We have to see the uniqueness of each child, find their skills and cultivate them. Just as a side note, if your kids are doing something that 
that you might disapprove of. Look at what does it mean to harness that particular issue, that particular energy in a more cultivating way. So I have one family who's seeing me right now and they said, my son argues about everything. And I said, what would it look like to get him on a debate team? Let's get someone in front of him who helps him harness that energy well, use it as a discerning skill instead of him weaponizing it. Or another family member that says, well, so-and-so is hitting people all the time or so-and-so is exacting violence. Okay, what does it look like to go get him into a karate class or into a jujitsu class? And now he's being taught reverence for the skill that he has and we're harnessing it in a good way. When we don't like something about our kids, we need to be so, so cautious with how we engage those conversations and saying things like, why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be like this? Why can't you be like that? It is one of the primary ways to crush someone. It is one of the primary ways to send a message again and again that who you are is not okay. And I'm telling you, if your child walks out of their childhood and out of their teen years with that message, it will carry with them for a long, long time because they're a rose trying to become a daffodil or they're a daffodil trying to become an orchid because someone once upon a time said to them that who you are is not okay. So I want you to think of that. What does it mean to meet your kids where they're at? What does it mean to meet them in their specific talents? What does it mean to cultivate their particular style of existing? And how do we become okay with that? Because who each and every one of them are is absolutely okay. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.